Thanks for joining us. Today, Pastor Michael Heim will share with us a challenging and encouraging message from the Word of God. It is our prayer as you listen to this message that it will draw you closer in your walk with God and give you strength to walk daily in His grace. Luke chapter 21, we're going to look at verses 12 through 19 this morning. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. This will result in your being witnesses to them. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. Two questions I want to ask us this morning as we start out is, how did we get as a nation whose foundations were built upon Christianity? How did we get so far away from, from being Christian nation and, and, and being favorable as Christians to the point that we're now beginning to see that's going under attack and being persecuted. How did we come so far, I should say so far away, from the foundation in 239 years? How did we get from Christianity that was entwined in the foundation of our nation, 54 of the 56 founding fathers professed to be Christians, how did we get so far from separation of church and state, and even more so in, in our generation, it's a separation of God and country. When we were built upon it, to now we want to be separated from it, and we don't even want God in the country anymore. How did we get so far away? You know, Patrick Henry, who was a ratifier of the U.S. Constitution, said this, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. George Washington, it's a little bit difficult to understand, said, While we zealously performing the duties of good citizens and soldiers, we certainly ought not to be inattentive to the higher duties of religion. To the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. What he's saying is, it's great to put emphasis on being an American and being a patriot, but it's even greater to put the emphasis upon being a Christian. That's what our nation was built upon. And how did we get so far away, so far removed that Christianity is becoming a taboo word? And Christians are beginning to be stifled in silence because of this. We started out 239 years ago so good. But now things are becoming so bad and so hostile, especially toward us as Christians. You know, we didn't get to this point overnight. It's taken 239 years to get to this point. So what we see now is how our nation has taken steps over 239 years, and we're seeing how progressive these steps are and how progressive persecution is coming to America. So that's what I want to talk to us about this morning, of how, how did we get to this point? I want to try to answer that question. The best way I can do it is give you five ways that we can do that, or five steps here that we're going to look at here in just a moment, that how uh, Christianity is being attacked in America. But I also want to talk to us about how our nation, which was built upon Christianity, to talk about how we got to that point 
to what a U.S. Army person said here in this training exercise. He's talking about, he labeled evangelicals and religious extremists here. Notice number one of the most hostile people on this watch list. Evangelical Christians. Notice that. That's crazy, isn't it? In this Army training manual, our U.S. Army, the most extremist people are not Islamist. It's evangelical Christians. And they have this group listed with all these other ones. Imagine that. Ku Klux Klan. Hamas, Al-Qaeda. All these are down listed lower. But evangelicals, church, we need to wake up. We're the hostile bunch. and Where do you think the most hostile bunch is? Right here in the south in the Bible Belt. This is where it's going to rise up. This is where it's going to happen, right here in the south. But let me give you these five stages of how we got to this point. Number one, the five stages is the five stages of religious persecution. I'll get to number one in just a second. So when we talk about religious persecution, you know, immediately, where does your mind go? I bet it goes overseas. I bet it goes to North Africa. I bet it goes to the shores where the, the orange jumpsuited Christians were knelt down and they were beheaded. I bet it goes to the Middle East. I bet it goes over to Europe. I bet it goes into China where they're so hostile. I bet your minds go over there because for most Americans, Christians are perceived, you know, we look at persecution only as over there. It's far away removed from us. So therefore, distance becomes an anesthetic to us. We become very numb to it because it's so far away, we don't give it thought. So it's out of thought, out of mind. As long as it doesn't bother my world and bother my life, I'm not going to be that concerned about it. Folks, if Christians are being killed in the other side of the world, you need to be concerned right here in America because what's happening there is coming here. And if they're going to pick on them there, they're going to pick on, pick on us over here. So distance becomes this anesthetic. It begins to numb us to the real issue. Franklin Graham stated, he said, I believe we're going to see persecution in this country. We've already seen many laws that have been passed that restrict our freedom as Christians. I believe it's going to get worse. We do have a problem in this country, and we're losing our religious freedoms, and we're losing it a little bit day by day. So religious persecution, a little bit day by day, progressivism, it's coming, it's here, it's coming, it's taken away, little bit by little bit by little bit. Persecution of a hated segment of a society, Christianity, that gradually accelerates to the point of complete hatred and persecution. So let me give you these five steps. Step number one, this is how it starts. They stereotype the targeted group. And we can go all the way back to the book of Acts and we can see this happening. Because when you read these scriptures, notice this in Acts chapter 9 verse 2, and asked him for the letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that they, if he found any there who belonged to the what? The way. Those people who belong to the way. Okay, quotations there. Capital W, by the way. Whether men or women, he might take them to prisoners to Jerusalem. In Acts eleven twenty six, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect. Acts twenty four fourteen. However, I meant that I worship the God of our ancestors as, fo- as a follower of the way, which they call 
a sect. Do you see now the stereotyping? Even from the very beginning in the early church, people began to stereotype Christianities. The way, the Christians, the way called the sect, the Nazarene sect, all these names were not complementary of the faith that they believed in. These were all derogatory names. It would be called, you know, racism or, or classism today with, with political correctness. These are horrible names to be called or, or they were used in a derogatory way in that day and age. So what they do, the first step is they begin to stereotype Christianity. And we don't believe this. Even our own president summed it up this way. He said, it's not surprising then that they, Christians, get bitter. They cling to guns and, or religion or, or antipathy to, toward people who are, are, are like them or to anti-immigrant sentiment or anti-trade sentiment as a way to explain their frustration. So they, those Christians, they cling to their God and their guns. We begin to be stereotyped into this little class of people that we're the backwards, we're the wrong ones here. As I mentioned before, that U.S. Army training manual listed evangelical Christians and Catholics, even Islamophobia as examples of religious extremism. I don't know of any Christians that's gone into churches and killed other people. I don't know of any Christians that have gone into military bases and killed soldiers. I don't know of any Christians that's gone in and shot up recruiting centers. I don't know of any Christians that have done any of those things. I don't see any Christians riding on the streets and looting and vandalizing. I don't see that. But I do see other groups, but yet we're the religious extremists. Religious persecution starts out by stereotyping. And folks, that's what has happened to Christianity. We see it in the early church. It's what they did to them. The second step is they begin to justify hatred toward that targeted group, that particular group. And we see this happening also in the book of the early church, in the book of Acts. Paul said, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Many a time I went from synagogue to another to have them punished and tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them, I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Do you see the hatred that Paul had or Saul had toward the church in, in, there in the book of Acts? We, see, we begin to see this hatred. These Christians are against the world. These Christians are against the progressivism of the world. These Christians are against you know, the, the new laws that, that give rights to, to same-sex marriages. These Christians are against the abortion. They're against all that. They're the bad ones. So we're going to justify the hatred toward them. So now if I persecute them, I'm justified in doing so. This is how it starts, folks. America's already passed one. America's already passed two. Christians are beginning to be portrayed as these regressive. We're out of date. We're out of time people. We, 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 we hold on to the old truths of the Bible then that's not relevant in the 21st century here. We are pushed and, and want to be changed and forced by the almighty state to adopt the worldly view. You know, that's what's happening. Hillary Clinton said concerning legalized abortion, she didn't say this too long ago, for too many women are denied access to reproductive health care and safe childbirth, and laws don't count for much if they're not enforced. And deep-seated cultural codes, religious beliefs, and structural biases have to be changed. 
It's not enough for Hillary just to give a, a rights to abortionists. That's okay. Let them, let them kill the babies. In the third trimester, let them take the babies and kill them. But whatever you do, don't sell the tissue. That's wrong. The hypocrisy here. The hypocrisy. But she's saying now that it's okay to kill the children. And, and, and because you, you disagree, your mindset has to change. Because women have a right. No, an unborn child has a right. An unborn child's life is not your life to take or a government's life to take. God gave that child a, a life. And it's not us. It's not your body. And this is evil. Do we see it? Do we see it? Justifying a hatred toward these, this particular group in every one of us who are Christians that we want to oppose the fundamental transformation of America. We're considered closed-minded. We're considered intolerant. We're considered hateful, bigoted, unfair, homophobic, reactionary, just plain mean, and basically bad people. We have to change, folks, or else. That's what they're saying. It's coming. So it starts with religious persecution by stereotyping them and then progressively justifies the hatred toward the group. But it doesn't stop there. It moves to the next phase, stage number three. We begin to marginalize the Christian's role in society. Again, we go back to the book of Acts. We see this. In Acts chapter 4, 17 and 18, Peter and John healed a lame, blind beggar. You think that's a great thing to do, but yet... They told them, don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Don't speak to anyone in, the name, in His name anymore. They called them in and again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And in chapter 5, verse 28, He says, we gave you strict orders not to teach in the name of Jesus. But you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. There's, there's a key right there. Don't you pray in this school. We begin to marginalize Christians. We kind of put Christianity in, in kind of a little box here. Why? Because the world does not want to be guilty of this man's blood. So they suppress the truth. See, Christianity is seen by the left as harmful to society. And Christians and Christianity should be silenced. It should be illegal to share you see, Christians got to be excluded from public places and power of influences, and they need to be excluded in politics and academia and media. But we can't have room for that. Even movie stars can't come out in their faith because they're persecuted if they do so. Politicians back off and water down their, their platform because they don't want to lose votes. We begin to be marginalized here. As Chris Matthews, a CNN uh, anchor, said this, if you're a politician and believe in God first, that's all good. Just don't run for government office. Run for church office. Don't, Christians have no place in politics, is what he's saying. I like what Franklin Graham said. He said the gays and lesbians are in politics. All the anti-God people are in politics. Why shouldn't the church be there? Who says we can't speak up? Who says our voice can't be heard? It's time to stand up, church. 
Religious persecution starts out by stereotyping the Christians. Then it progresses to justifying hatred toward them. And then it progresses to marginalizing them. They can, they can be in our society, but as long as they're just over here and they're not really in the mainstream, we're okay. But as soon as they get in the mainstream of politics or in the movies, oh, that's bad. That's bad. We move on to stage four, and that's criminalizing Christians and their churches or criminalizing Christian businesses or Christian education institutions, criminalizing them. Again, we'll go to the book of Acts. We don't have to go far to see this. Saul went and he asked for the letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he can find anybody who was a Christian. That he may take them to, Jer to Jerusalem as prisoners. That's almost like saying, well, we're going to just look down upon your social security number and we're going to see anybody who marks out as Protestant Christian and we're going to target them. Paul was targeting, Saul was targeting the Christians because of his extreme hatred toward them. He began to criminalize them. Because you belong, because you call yourself a, 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 a you belong to the way, you deserve to go to prison. You deserve to go to prison. Folks, this is not far-fetched. This is the early church. We're coming back to this stage. In fact, America's passed one, two, three, and we're in now to four. America is in stage four of religious persecution. Stage four. In Hebrews, the writer there said, you suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you, you knew that you, were your, you yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. See, what we do, we draw from this scripture here. Apparently, the early church was being persecuted and having their property confiscated and being put into prison because of nothing only but what they believed. They weren't causing harm to society. They were only doing good to society. But because they preached the truth in the name of Jesus, that someone can be healed, that someone can be saved, they're being persecuted. Just recently, this past, earlier this year, Christian bakers from Oregon, Aaron and Melissa Klein, a gay couple came into their bakery. And because of their beliefs, they could not bake a cake. They weren't being mean-spirited. They weren't being bigoted. They weren't being anything. They just said, on my religious convictions, I cannot bake a cake. There, there's a hundred other bakeries in Oregon. You could go there, but I just did. Do they have the right to deny that? Well, according to Oregon law, they don't. That's called discrimination. They couldn't do it. And so they lost their, their bakery. They were fined $135,000 and they have a lien on their house. All because they would not bake a cake for a gay couple. Criminalize the Christians for what they believe. And folks, it's coming. It's coming. The Organs Bureau of labor and industry, they said, and I quote, that they're being fined because of her unlawfully discriminating against a same-sex couple. It's coming. The Supreme Court passes a law not long ago. And I thank God that our governor passed another law that would protect preachers in Texas pulpits 
Because if I preach against anything like homosexuality, I'm considered now a hate crime. I'll be criminalized. You don't think that's happening? In, in Canada, a preacher preached against homosexuality and he was criminalized for it. He was exonerated at a later date. So it's to the point that where we can't, we're stifled, we're marginalized. You can't, even though you have a First Amendment right, you don't have the right to believe it. Because we're going to make another law in adjunction to the, the Constitution that says you can't believe what you want to believe. And if you do, you suffer consequences. You're marginalized. You're justified. You're a bigot. You're mean-spirited. And folks, that's not the case at all. See, we're criminalized for it. Stereotype, justify the hatred, marginalize them, then criminalize them. And we are now seeing the first stages of being criminalized for our religious beliefs. And so that moves us to stage five. And God help us when we get to this point. Stage five is already in the Middle East. We've already seen the orange jumpsuited Christians and we've seen the people in Iraq and Syria where they're fleeing up the mountain away from ISIS because they're being killed as Christians and children's, children's, children's heads being cut off and put on a stick. All for being a Christian. And see, what happens in the Middle East it will soon come to America. Notice what Paul said, Acts 22, verse 4. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. In Acts 26, he says, On the authority of the chief priest, I, I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and when they were put, and, and they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from the synagogue to another to have them punished and tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign countries. Folks, it's coming to the point we see in the early church that you can't escape. They're going to hunt you down. All because of the name of Jesus Christ and the testimony that you have. It's coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? See, Jesus tells us that there's three ways that we'll be persecuted. It starts out kind of easy, you know, just verbal persecution. Oh, you Christian, you're holier than thou. You're better than everybody else. Just kind of verbal persecution. Then it goes to false persecution where they lie about you and they deem your character and, they, and, and it causes trouble. And then they go to physical persecution. But remember what Jesus said, Blessed is anyone who is persecuted for my name's sake. See, we're moving to that persecution. Persecution is forcing Christians to go against the teachings of the Word of God by insisting that pastors, now it's the law of the land, we have to marry same-sex couples. Pastors across the nation are being forced upon this now, and churches are having to, to gather together and, and figure out a way, even to the point of even renting their facilities. We're being forced because we are a 501c3. And mark my word, it's coming to this point. Because of that we are a 501c3 tax-exempt status church. That's the federal government's way into our lives, telling us what we can and cannot do. It's coming to the point, you're going to watch, all churches are going to stop dropping the tax status to keep the government out. 
persecution moves from that. It moves on to what we heard not long ago that because of new Obamacare, that there's new uh, uh, religious institutions uh, here have to adhere to the government health mandates. We saw the big lawsuit of the Hobby Lobby. They were forcing Hobby Lobby, a Christian company, to provide abortion health care for their employees, and they said no. And if they didn't, they were going to be fined $2 million a day. They battled into court and they won. But we begin to criminalize and begin to outright persecute the Christians. And I'm telling you where it's headed. We're headed back to the early church. We're headed back to the King Henry VIII style of church seizure. Now they're going to come in and, and take your property and the monies because of the, we're Christians, because we refuse to bow to the doctrines of the state. See, that's all coming, folks. There's your five persecutions, and, and America is in stage four. Are we ready? What if someone came to your house and they asked the question, are you a Christian? And if you answer yes, we're going to confiscate your property. What are you going to say? We've got to be ready. So what do we do here? Number two, let's stand firm in religious persecution. What's persecuted, what is persecution today in America is not going to stand. It's going to get worse. Because the scripture says that men will go from bad to worse. We're going to get worse as a society. It's not going to get better. I don't care how much you can perfume it up and put a cute little ribbon on society. It's getting worse and more immoral. So the worse is coming. So how should we as Christians, Americans respond to the religious persecution that's coming? Well, it's real simple. Go back and read the early church. See, I love it because when you watch the early church, Peter stood up the first time he preached, 3,000 people got saved. Holy Spirit filled the people. They began to get excited. They understood that the resurrection was real to them. Their faith was real to them. And they did not care about their life. They didn't care about their possessions. They didn't care about the world. They only cared about what Jesus was meant to them. And they wanted to share that good news with the world. So they come in there and tell them, don't preach in the name of Jesus. And in chapter 8, they begin to persecute the Christians and scatter them everywhere. And guess what? When the Christians were scattered, the gospel only spread. Satan wants to stamp out the, the revival fire. But when Satan stamps out revival in the church, he only scatters the embers everywhere. And I think this is what's got to happen to the church in America. The only time revival's ever broken out is when the church is being persecuted, our rights are being taken away. You can't preach in the name of God. The Great Reformation of 1500 was from, from what? Because the, there were certain evangelicals that were trying to get this simple word into their language. And the church was burning them at the stake and everything else. But the church rose up. It moved over to America called the Great Awakening. See, the church is asleep because distance of persecution has numbed us. And we silence. We suppress truth. We don't want to watch the news. I don't care what goes on in the world as long as it doesn't affect me. Church, listen. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are being killed on the other side of the world. That should concern you because you call yourself a Christian too. And what's over there will come over here. It's just a matter of time. And we're seeing it in, the, in, the, in our laws. In ancient Rome, crowds of tens of thousands would gather in that Colosseum and watch Christians be just ripped apart by, by tigers and lions. 
and the people would applaud the killing of Christians. See, those Christians, they lived on the threshold of heaven. They lived with their hearts and their minds looking above, not on earthly things. We can't get past Facebook. We can't get past Twitter. We can't get past media. We can't get past selfies. Our hearts are not set in heaven. Our, our hearts are set on the things of this world. These early Christians, they lived just a heartbeat from heaven. They had no possessions that they loved so much that they were willing to die for those possessions. They only loved Jesus and they were willing to die for Him. That's how we should stand firm in these last days. When Emperor Valens threatened Eusebius, he was a Roman historian, with the confiscation of all his goods and, all, and, and, and was threatening to torture him and to banish him and even put him to death. This is what Eusebius said. He needs not fear confiscation who has nothing to lose, nor banishment to heaven who is his country, nor torments when his body can be destroyed at one blow, nor death which is only a, a way to set him at liberty from sin and sorrow. That's how you stand firm. If you're not growing deeper roots in the faith and looking up to the things of God, persecution is going to come on you and it will silence you. You will stop praying at the lunch table. You will stop praying in the restaurant. You will quit witnessing out in public. You will be silenced. But if your roots grow deeper and deeper in the faith, you won't love anything in this world. And you'll stand up and you'll pro proclaim Jesus. Don't be shy and embarrassed. You're the light of this world. You're the salt of the earth. You're God's ambassador who's making His appeal through you. You are the way that God chose to get the gospel out. Don't be ashamed of it. Go out and make disciples of all nations. And if you suffer the consequences, then you are blessed. You're not going to be persecuted because you're a criminal or a meddler. You're going to be persecuted because of the name of Jesus Christ. And blessed is the man who suffers persecution. There's been one passage I've been holding on to, and I've been reading it, and I put it on our Facebook page the other day, our church page. And I want you to hold on to this passage. It's in Hebrews 10.33. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecutions. Other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who, are, who have faith and are saved. Don't shrink back. Don't be ashamed. Don't fear what government can do to you. Don't fear what man can do to you. Fear God and be the light and the salt that He's called us to be. Amen? Stand firm, Jesus said, and you will win life. So let me close up. Are you ready to face religious persecution? It's coming. Like I said, of these five stages, we're in stage four. And it's coming very soon that we're going to get to the point that we're going to lose our rights 
as Christians. We're going to lose our freedoms. We possibly are going to lose property from lawsuits. We're going to lose loved ones. We might even lose our own life. But you just remember to those who have gone before, those early Christians in Hebrews 11, the Bible says they were tortured and stoned and put in prison and sawed in two and crucified. We're not exempt. The prophets were persecuted and killed. John the Baptist was beheaded. All the apostles were martyred and killed. Jesus Christ himself was crucified. The early church was scattered and persecuted and thrown in prison and killed. All because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. What makes us as people in America, as God's Christians in America, think that we're going to escape persecution? That's naive to think that. Jesus said, stand firm. Immovable. Like a big old oak tree with roots down deep. And the, the world may break your limbs and bend you over and strip you of le your leaves. That's okay. But you're unmovable. You preach the truth. And that's what we're all called to do. To stand firm. As far as I'm concerned... And from this sacred pulpit that I declare to you to this day, I will stand firm as a man of God. I will not bow my knees to political correctness. I will not bow my knees to immorality. I will not bow my knees to the laws that are contrary to the word of God. I will not bow my knees to the idols of men. I will bow my knees only to the Lord our God, come what may. I will have no other gods but Him. Because in this world, some do trust in chariots and some trust in princes and some trust in supreme courts. Some trust in white houses, some trust in governments, some trust in Wall Street and some trust in powers and some trust in idols. But this man of God will trust only in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the name that is above all names and at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess to the glory of the Father. I will confess Jesus Christ to the day I die and I don't care what governments tell me what I can and cannot do. It will not stop until I'm in the heaven with my Lord and my Savior. He is the Lord of lords. He's the judge of all judges. And this nation was built on Christianity and whom I will defend to the day I die. Selah, Maranatha, and Amen. We hope you have enjoyed Pastor Michael's challenge from the Word of God. If you have any questions about today's message, you can reach us at 903-759-4196 or write to us. We'd love to hear from you at 117 South White Oak Road, White Oak, Texas, 75693. For more information about Pastor Michael or White Oak Baptist Church, please visit us on the web at www.wobaptist.org. Come back and visit us again. Until then, God bless.